Welcome to Walking with the Prophets, our first year. Our learning is dedicated to Yulia Nishmas Rivka Basiakov, Levi, my grandmother, Rufua Shlema, Fertila Batia, Bechayatova, Yulia Nishmas Asher Zelig, Ben Nachum, whose yard site is on Asar Beteve, Rufua Shlema for Yedid Yechayim, Ben Aviva Rivka Chaya, Rachavigail Basrachu Gita, and Shadochim for all those in need. On on Friday, I had this chutz to be able to spend time with my Shana Aleph Rebbe, with Baruch Felgerman. And uh, I had a different introduction prepared for Sefer Yoshua, but he shared with me an absolutely, absolutely unbelievable thought. And this Rashi is so amazing. I thought, wow, is this not really the essence of Sefer Yoshua? The Torah tells us in Parshas Vayelech, Hashem that Hashem will return with those in exile. So Rashi comments, It shouldn't have said, that he will come back, but it's just that he will bring back, meaning that the Jewish people that are there will come back from exile. The rabbis, Chazal learned that the Shechina is actually with the Jewish people in their times of exile. And when they're redeemed, that is Geula, that's redemption for God himself. Hashem is also in exile, and he comes back. And also we could say that the day of the coming back of the exiles is so great and so hard. That it's as though Hashem is holding the hand of each of the people, and saying, I am bringing you back. That, says Rashi, is what's going on at the time of, of Gala. So Felberman then turned to me and said, what is chos? What is chos? Anybody that has the opportunity to come back, to be Gawal himself, and to come to back to Israel, it is as though Hashem is holding their hand and bringing them back there to sell. Gave me a lot of chizok, having made Aliyah a year and a half ago. But I think that the entire Jewish people at the beginning of Sefer Yoshua, that's what's happening. They are coming from Galut to Geula. They're coming to Eretzisel where the Jewish people belong. And Hashem is holding their hands. And Hashem is saying it's a hard day, but the Shav Hashem I am coming back also, number one. But I'm also holding your hand. And I will hold your hand every step of the way. But as we'll see in Parak Aleph, it's not so simple. It's not an unconditional, Hashem will hold our hands and everything is good. Hashem will hold our hands if and only if we follow certain protocols that God wants from us. And that is, I believe, all of Sefer Yoshua. Sefer Yoshua is all about what it is that we need to do if it is that we want God to be with us. We're going to, in the three years together, see that we transitioned very quickly from that in Sefer Yoshua to a very different problem in Shoftim and beyond. But that we have a few we have, we have a, a few months before we get to. Okay, Hashem is going to hold the hands of the Jewish people. Amazing. That's exactly what they need. But the question is, before we even start, before we look at Pasuk Aleph, why was Yoshua chosen? And were there any other choices out there? Was Yoshua simply chosen because he was the only person there? Or was there something specifically that Yoshua brought to the table that made him special? So if you take a look over here, the Gemara in Erevin, Tan Rabbanan, 
How did Moshe Rabbeinu teach Torah? Moshe taught from God himself. Aaron came in, Moshe taught him. Aaron then let, turned, moved to the side and went to the left of Moshe. His children came in. Okay, amazing what happened. Aaron's sons came in. And what happened? Moshe taught them. After he taught them, they went to the side. And one went to the right, one went to the left. This Canaan then come in. Moshe then taught them. They then went on the sides also. And then the entire Jewish people came in. Moshe taught them. Turns out the Jewish people learned once. This Canaan learned twice. The, the sons of Aaron three times, and Aaron Arba, and Aaron learned it four times. Beautiful. But who's missing in this whole thing? Where's Yoshua? It would seem as though Yoshua was maybe in this Canaan. He learned twice. So why is it that it turns out that we're told that who? Yoshua is chosen as a leader. Aaron, he learned more. Elazar, Itamar, they learned more. There's so many other people out there. And besides that, we know we have Kalev. Kalev was one of the other spies that successfully completed his mission. He lives. Why is it that he's not chosen? Pinchas, come on, Pinchas is always there. And Pinchas will continue to make his way through Tanakh several times more. Why isn't he chosen? What was so special about Yahushua? So take a look at the source over here. Vayomer Hashem Yahushua. It's the beginning of our parsha. The Malbim says something amazing. He says, why was Yoshua Zoche to be the leader? Not only as the prophet, but as the leader of the Jewish people, because he was the Misharet Moshe. He was the assistant of Moshe. He was always there for Moshe. And he says something, quoting the Gemara and Brachu, Gedola Shimusha, that the learning is nice, but if you accompany a person and you're with them and you take care of them and you do all of these things for a person, that is so much greater. And that is what leads to true greatness. Yoshua does all that. It's his shimush of Moshe Rabbeinu that allows him to be Zohar, to be what he becomes. It's a beautiful answer given by the Malvin. Rabbi Michael Hatton. We're going to quote him a lot. He has a beautiful sefer called Joshua. It's a uh, in-depth commentary sefer uh, Yoshua. He says, "Let's take a look at his as Yoshua's resume." The first time we meet him, he's a general in the war against Amalek at Sinai. He's Moshe's aide. He stands and tells us that he doesn't leave Sinai the entire time. Eldad and Nadad. He is the one that says, "Adoni Moshe Klaim." Moshe, we got to lock him up. He's one of the successful spies. He is chosen. He's chosen in, in Pinchas when, when Moshe says, who's going to take over? He's the one that's chosen. And he's there when Reuven and God agree to the terms to go over the Yardin, even though they're going to live on the other side of the Yardin. Yoshua's resume is full. He's in a lot, a lot, a lot of places. But that leads to a question. Anybody familiar with the debate of whether someone should make the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame knows 
that there is a question of whether someone has a lot of statistics because they're really good or are they what they call a compiler? They're just there for so long. And because they're there for so long, they just amass all these statistics. But they never dominated the sport. Question is, which one is Yoshua? Is Yoshua a compiler? Is Yoshua someone who simply added up just all of these things as resume? Because every time they're like, I don't know, who's going to do it? Well, there's nobody left in that generation. It's just Kalev. It's just Yoshua. Yoshua takes it. That's one possible way to look at it. If I hadn't suggested something completely different, he says, no, he's not a compiler. What is he? Yoshua is a person that is there at every critical moment in the Jewish experience throughout the desert. Amalek, the first crisis in the desert, he's there. At Sinai, when the Torah is given, Yoshua is the closest anybody could be to Moshe Rabbeinu. Eldad and Medad, when there's someone who suggests a challenge to Moshe Rabbeinu's authority, he's there. The spies, he goes to look at the land of Israel. And ultimately, when God chooses him, he's choosing him. Why? Because he says, who could better understand the Jewish people than someone who has been there every step of the way? And therefore, Abihatan says, it is only appropriate that he becomes the choice as a candidate to lead the Jewish people. There is an interesting point that is uh, found. We know that Yehoshua is from Shevet Ephraim. We know that because when he's listed as the spy, he's listed as a spy from Shevet Ephraim. And yet we're not told that at all in our Sefer. We're just told that he's Yehoshua. Why is that? Dat Mikra has a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful comment. He says the only reason why we know in Sefer Yehoshua he's from Har- Ephraim is because he's buried in Timnat Cheres, which is found in Har Ephraim, which would tell you that he's buried in the ancestral land of Ephraim. Therefore, he's from Ephraim. It says, The Torah is telling us why we not need to know what Shevet is from. is because he is not a leader of a tribe. He's the leader of the Am Yisrael. And being the leader of Am Yisrael, what he does is he stops worrying about the needs of Shevet Ephraim, but he worries about the global needs of all of Klal Yisrael. With that introduction, let us take a look at Perek Aleph. After Moshe, the Eved Hashem dies. What happens? Hashem says to Yoshua bin Nun, bin Nun, bin Nun, why is that? Ramban points out bin Nun, is a contraction of words come to Bina, Binun, the wise one. Yoshua, the wise one, took over. He's the Misharet Moshe. He is the servant of Moshe. He's the one that takes over. The, the Malbim points out that Moshe is an Ebed Hashem, but he died. How could you be an Ebed Hashem after you die? Malbim says something beautiful. He says that the only person that could be an Ebed Hashem after they die is someone who is not only a tzaddik that worried about his own shleimut, it's a person that worried about the shleimut of Hador, Hadoro Tabayim. He's Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is Torah Tzivalanu Moshe. He's the one that taught Torah back then, now, in the future. Moshe is a leader that continues to inspire, continues to teach Klal Yisrael well past the moment that he died. And therefore, he's an Ebed Hashem Bechayav, who's a Moto. Vayomer Hashem al Yoshua Benun. 
That Mikra points out something amazing. He says, only by Moshe and Yeshua do we have the language of Vayomer Hashem. Everybody else, Koamar, different, different language, but you won't find Vayomer Hashem other than in the Torah itself and in Sefer Yoshua. Makes perfect sense, as Rashi points out, that, say, that, that the book of Yoshua is Mechubar al Seder HaTorah, Mesayemet Betirat Moshe. It is one continuum. Chazal tell us in the Gemara and the Dharam that if it wasn't for the Jewish people sinning, we would have had the five books of the Torah and Sefer Yoshua. And that would have been it. We would not have had anything else. Everything else that we have is simply because the Jewish people sinned. Okay, so what is Moshe, what is Yoshua told? Moshe Abdi mate, Moshe died. Get up now and go, you, the entire Jewish people, and cross over the Yardin. Abar Vinel says something unbelievable. Why is he told Kuma Yardin? It is 30 days after the death of Moshe Rabbeinu. And what is Yoshua doing? People are crying, and so is Yoshua. Yoshua is completely broken. Moshe is Rabbi. 40 years he was Meshamesh, Mesharet Moshe, and Moshe died. He is so broken. God says, enough. You're allowed to mourn. You're allowed to grieve. You did that 30 days. It's enough. You need to move on. And I think that that's a critical message that Moshe and all future leaders are being told. It is a hard job to take. When you become the leader and the loss for the leader himself is the person that was his own rabbi, his own leader. The person that led him died, yet God says, enough. You grieve and you move on. So what is he supposed to do? Any place that you put your foot, that is where you will get. You walk it, it's yours in the land. From the the desert up north in Lebanon, from one river to the next, the Mediterranean, the Nahar Agadol, all the way to the Euphrates. Those are the borders of Eretz Yisrael. Nobody will stand in your way all your days. Just as I was with Moshe, I will be with you. I will not let go of you. I will not forsake you at all. You have to be strong. Why? Because you will be the one to give the land, divide the land. Just as I had sworn to the Avot, Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov to give them. But you'd be so strong. Be strong to keep the Torah. Just as I commanded Moshe, don't move to the right, don't move to the left. The Torah is a path that I'm giving you. Stay on it. In order that you'll be successful in all you do. The Torah should not be weakened from you, from you at all. Learn it by day and by night. So you'll know everything you have to do. And then you'll be successful. Interesting. Who was Yoshua? Uh, by Sinai, we have almost the same, same language. He didn't leave the Ohel. 
just an interesting point. I commanded you, because I will be with you everywhere you go. Those are his commands. Three times it tells us, why? Why do we need it so much? And why is Moshe so prominent in this parent? So Rashi gives us a beautiful answer. Chazak three times. Nachla, Eretz Yisrael. If to do that, Torah, Chazak v'amatz ma'od. If you want to be successful as a leader, the only way, the only way is keep the Torah, keep it well. And the last one is to listen to what Hashem wants from you. If you do those three things, everything is going to be good. Rashi actually gives a slightly different answer. Nachla, Torah, Milchama. Those are the three things that he has to do. Be strong in it. Perhaps there's three different categories, Eretz Yisrael, the Torah, and Hashem. If you're faithful to those three ideas, you are going to be okay. Rabbi Haddon points out that Shlomo and Chizkiyahu also have Chazak demands. Not as many times as Yoshua. Yoshua has an unbelievable amount of time. He has it in the Torah itself, and then he has it now. He's going to have it later in the Perek, Chazak demands, Chazak demands, Chazak demands. Why so many times? So Shlomo has it, Chizkiyahu has it. Shlomo has told it, from his father, David. You see that in Devei um, And Chizkiyahu has to tell the people that when they're nervous about what's going to be. Why do we have that? All of these people, Shlomo, Chizkiyahu, Yoshua, they feel inadequate. How am I going to be able to do this? How will I be able to succeed and take over for the person that I'm replacing? Can you imagine to be the leader following Moshe? The ideal position would be not the person that replaces Moshe, but the person that replaces the person that replaces Moshe. Because you assume that there's going to be somewhat of, le- of a lessening of stature. Hardest position is become the CEO of a company when the person you take over for is greatness. But when the person takes over, it doesn't do such a good job. And then you take over, well, you're following the footsteps of someone who was not so successful. That's what Yoshua is doing. So what happens? Hashem says it's okay. Shem says, I will hold your hand. It's going to be a right. You can do it. I promise you. You're nervous. You have anxiety. This is hard. I get it. I'm there with you. I will not let go of your hand. But it's not unconditional. It's not a parent who says to the child, I will love you no matter what. Rather, Hashem is saying, I will take care of you. I will hold your hand. I will make sure that everything works out well. But you have to make sure that there are three points in your moral compass. And so long as you have these three points, you're going to be fine. Eretz Yisrael, your goal is to conquer, to settle the land of Eretz Yisrael. You must be fully dedicated to the Torah, to Torah Moshe. And the last thing is, everything is a connection to Hashem. If you could do all those three things, you're going to be great. And everything is going to be fine. And the reason I believe that Moshe is so prominent in this first part is because Moshe is all of that. Moshe desperately wanted Eretz Yisrael. Moshe was the giver of the Torah. Yeshua will be the one that will perpetuate it. And Moshe was an Eved Hashem. It's an interesting thing, but if you look at the very end, when Yeshua dies, he's no longer Misharet Moshe. In Ever Hashem. Moshe is so prominent here because we are living in times of transition, the transition from, Yehosh- from Moshe to Yoshua, and it will be successful. God promises it. But Yoshua has to remember these three things. You do these three things, 
everything will be unbelievable. And so now we move on. We move on to Yoshua's actual work. Yoshua commands the shotrim of the Amlimor. These are the officers, the people that are going to get the Jews going. He says the he says them the following. I need you to go into the Machine, go to each of your tribes. And what are you supposed to do? Tell the people, prepare. You have to give yourself what you need. Rashi says it's not just food, but you need your weapons. You need everything you want because we're moving. Remember, they're on the banks of the Jordan. This Jordan, this one we're passing over right now. We're going. That one that we're going to conquer. That's what we're doing in three days. Rashi points out, 30 days. He dies in Zion Adar. And Zion Nisan, this happens. Three days later, they're ready to cross over. They cross the Yardin on Good Nisan. It happens. That is the day that the Jewish people cross over. It is 40 years to the day. That they were that they were they sacri- they set aside the carbon pesach. They became an am and they set aside the sacrifice. Forty years to the day they're going to cross in. Three three days in Tanakh. So where do we have three days in Tanakh? Think about it. Take a moment. Where do you have three days in Tanakh? Okay, the pictures might help a little bit if you're watching a video. If you're listening on audio, you're on your own here. Three days in Tanakh. We have three days in Tanakh by Avram Avinu at On the third day, on the third day, they see. Where, where else do we have three days? Three days in jail, and the butler and the baker are waiting, the Sarah Mashkim and the Sarah Ofim. What's going to be? Yosef predicted our dreams. So it won't happen until Yom Huledah Paro. So it is on the third day, Yom Huledah Paro. Where else do we have it? The three days, probably they didn't look like that around our Sinai. The three days that Klal Yisrael waited around Sinai, those are three more days. And we have Esther comes before Achashverosh on the third day. Three days in Tanakh. Of course, here we have the old Shloshet Yamim. Three more days we're going to cross over. What do these three days have in common? What do all five of these stories have in common? How do you think everybody felt in this story? Avram and Yitzchak. They're going to the Akedah. Maybe Yitzchak didn't know. How did Avram feel? He's traveling for three days. There is, it's a moment of reflection. He's thinking about so much. Look what it took to get this kid. A lot of reflection. Look at what my life is. It's anticipation. What's going to be? How am I going to survive this moment? Or not me survive, but how will my legacy survive if it's like a slaughter? The Saramashkim and the Saraofen. They're reflecting. Look at our station, where we were, where we are, where we're going to be. But the anticipation is different. For each of them, 
The Saramashkim anticipates that yes, I will be I will rejoin the ranks of the palace and I will be a worker in the in the uh, castle once again. Not the same for the Saraofin. He with dread, he's awaiting the moment of his death. Harsinai, they anticipate, they reflect. Look, we were slaves just a little while ago. And now, now look at us. We're about to get the Torah. That's reflection of the past, but anticipation of what are the expectations when we get the Torah. And Esther, reflection. Look at the people, my people, where they were, where they are, what's going to be. And it all rests upon me. The anticipation comes with angst. Is it not any different for the Jewish people? The Jewish people are at the edge of the Jordan. This is what they've been waiting for since Yitzhak Mitzrayim. In fact, you could almost imagine what were the bedtime stories that parents told their children in Egypt? My Zaidi, my Saba, my grandpa, where was he? He was in Eretz Canaan. They can see it. They could smell it. They could practically taste it. That's what we're doing. But the anticipation comes with great fear as well. Comes with the fear of we are going to have to fight for our existence and our right to live in Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Alex Israel just points out the three days of Sinai. And he says, you know what's amazing with the three days of Sinai? The three days of Sinai are revelation. That's what Klal Yisrael had. By Alex Israel says that the Jewish people wondered in these three days, are we getting ready for revelation? Or are we getting ready for war? They weren't sure exactly which one it was. They're going to find out. There's one last story in the parish. Yoshua approaches Ruven, God, and Chatsi Shevet Menashe, and he says to them, Zachor the Davar Shortzibatchem Moshevet Hashem Lemor. Don't forget, we had a deal. The deal was with Moshe that he said, You want to live on the other side of the Jordan? That's great. The Shechem Tapchem, Umeknechem Yeshua Aretz, Shonatabachem Moshev, Dever Yordain. Your families, your wives, your children, your animals, they will stay on the eastern bank of the Jordan River. You guys are the best soldiers, the bravest. You're going to cross over. You are going to create a sense of unity amongst the Jewish people that they're all fighting, not just until they get their land also. And they, you will then return to your land. You got the other ones. Yeshua says this, because he was there. He was there for that conversation. But the question is, what will they say? So they say to Yeshua, right now, Yeshua says, I demand that you keep what you said to Moshe Rabbeinu. Whatever you command us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just like we listen to Moshe, we will listen to you. 
We'll come back to those words in a minute. Ravigal Ariel, another, another amazing safer that I will quote a lot, says, this is the first test. They could have easily turned around the Ruben God and Chatzit Sheva Menashe. Ruben and God would have said, we didn't agree to this. We agreed with Moshe. Moshe's not here. Deals off. Let's start afresh. Let's start anew. It's not what happens. They say, we'll keep it. We made a promise and we will keep it 100%. First challenge, he wins. And by getting these people to come with him, what does he do? He wins by building up his own stature in the eyes of B'nai Yisrael. But let's take a look at the words. What does the word rak mean? Yeah, means that Hashem will be with you just as he was with Moshe. But what does the word rak mean? Does it mean indeed, says Rabbi Alex Israel, indeed Hashem will be with you like he was with Moshe. It is a declaration that we believe that Hashem will be with you, and that is why we are following you. Or, to be a slightly more cynical way, is that they're saying, Rakia Hashem Lokafima. We'll be with you only if Hashem is with you. If Hashem is with you, we're with you. But if not, we won't. Yeshua, they're saying, you have to prove that you are deserving. You are worthy of being the leader of the Jewish people. And if you are, we will not, we will not stop following you, even for a moment. Anybody doesn't follow you. Anybody that doesn't follow you, what will we do to them? We will kill them. Das Mikra says, Mara, Memreshe, Yamre, it's from the word Memreshe Dalit, Marab. He's Morid Vimalchut. This is actually the source for the halacha that the person that is Morid Vimalchut is Chayv Mita, says the Rambam. We will stand up to anybody who stands in your way, but only. Only if you are true to the Torah values, Rak Chazak Be'amatz. I want to end the beautiful Chazal. Chazal say, the, the Gemara in Baba Basa says, Kedem Shabotu Ador Amu. The elders of the generation said, Bnei Moshe, Kipnei Chama, Bnei Yoshua, Kipnei Levana. Moshe's face is like the sun. Yoshua's face is like the moon. Oilalota Busha, Oilalota Chuma. Whoa, what an embarrassment. So they say, I've always quoted this Gemara, but I never noticed the first four words that this Canaan Osho Dor Amru. I thought it was just a nice idea that Moshe was like the sun and Yeshua was like the moon. And how do we understand that? But this was something that was said by this Canaan of their generation. What were they saying? What were they trying to explain? Beautiful idea. Simplest answer is Yeshua is a mere shadow. The people are broken. Does Canaan say, look where we had, were. We had Moshe. Moshe has a ball of fire, the sun. You can never look at it. You can't approach it. It is terrifying. That is the sun. Sure is the moon. The moon is pretty. Look at it. Enjoy it. But it's merely a reflection of the sun. Eich borim. He went from Moshe to Yoshua. That's a beautiful answer. In preparation for this year, late, late on Motzei Shabbos, I, I was curious about this. So I, I Googled this Gemara 
And I found a beautiful, beautiful idea by Rev. Zev Rudman. Long article. I'm just quoting a small amount of it. Rev. Rudman suggests the following. The Yushalmi says when I'm embarrassed of a person that I am reliant, I'm dependent upon, I don't want to see them. If a poor person is getting stuck up from someone, he is the last person he wants to sit next to in shul. If he sees him, he wants to be as far away from him as possible. The Zikne Ador is saying that we are embarrassed that the generation is no longer a generation of Moshe that was an independent generation, but we are a generation of Yehoshua who is dependent. That was why they were sad. That's why they were embarrassed. Ravigal Ariel offers a beautiful answer, a third answer. It's Busha for Moshe too. It's not just an embarrassment to Moshe or to Yoshua. It's embarrassment to both of them. Yoshua is the completion of Moshe. And that's, in, in a sense, the reflection. Moshe couldn't get to the finish line. Yoshua had to. And as a result, it's embarrassment to both sides. But I want to share with you one last answer. It's the answer of Avram Remer. I've quoted this so many times over the years. It's my favorite answer, my fa- one of my favorite ideas in Sefer Yoshua. When you look at that picture on our screen, the sun, it is a ball of fire. You don't go near it. You're told as a kid, if you look at it, it's going to damage your eyesight. Don't. Stay away from the sun. But the moon is not like that. The moon by itself does not have enough light to light up the sky. What do we need? The moon needs the, the stars alongside it. Rev. Remmer says the stars are all there to join with the moon to light us up. This Canaan Ba'oto Ador said, Pnei Moshe was Kipnei Chama. He was the leader by himself. But one of the reasons one of the reasons that the people embrace Yoshua, and amazingly, he doesn't get a single person stepping up and stepping in his way. His entire rule, Moshe has tons of opposition. Why is that? Because the stars have a place in the leadership also. Yoshua knows that he can't do it by himself. He is going to do it with all the people. It is a collaborative effort. Yes, Yoshua's moon, his star is a little brighter than everybody else's, but everybody's going to have to put in their part. Without them, the Jewish people won't succeed. The moon originally was shrunk, according to the Medrash, because it said, God, there can only be one ruler in the world, son of the moon. One of us has to be big. The other one has to be small. God says, fine, you become small. The moon at this point has no ego. And he says, I embrace, I need Everybody to join me. Yoshua says, I need you all with me. Does Canaan acknowledge that and say, we can do it. We will all march forward and we will be successful together. Thank you so much for joining us for Perak Aleph. I encourage you to send me any of your thoughts during the week, either through WhatsApp or through email. Shavuot Tov. Next week, Perak Bet.